This student ministry podcast is a sermon preached by Pastor Jim Shetler at the 2008 West Coast Baptist Teen Camp. Pastor Shetler is the senior pastor of the First Baptist Church in Santa Maria, California, and we hope this message is a blessing to you. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. I was 23 years old. I had graduated from Bible college, and I was traveling as a college representative for Pensacola Christian College. I was doing two Christian schools a day and preaching probably upwards to 12 times a week. But I want to tell you something, young person, at 23 years of age, a graduate from Bible college, preaching twice a week, I was struggling with something. I still, it didn't happen every day, it didn't happen every week, it didn't happen every month. But through the course of my spiritual life, every once in a while, I would struggle with whether or not I was a child of God. I would struggle with whether or not I was going to heaven. Now sometimes at college, you'd hear a great message on the rapture. And I can remember two or three times in my college days, going back to the dorms, finding a little quiet place after hearing a message on the rapture or on hell and just saying, God, if I've never trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior right now, I ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior. God, I don't want to go to hell. Lord, I want, I want to be caught up in the rapture. You know, by the way, that's really sad because the rapture is supposed to be the blessed hope of the believer. When you hear a message about the rapture, it ought to give you joy and it gave me conviction. And I just never got that thing settled or not about whether or not I was a child of God. Now, let me tell you a little bit about my background. I, I was born and raised in a religious home. I was born and raised in a Catholic home. Be good, do good, look good. And hopefully at the end of your life, if your good is better than your bad, you're going to get to heaven. At 12 years of age, I finally heard the gospel. I went on a youth retreat of an independent Baptist church. And on that retreat, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. However... Like the people of Israel, saved out of Egypt, they wandered for 40 years of their life. Now, I didn't wander for 40 years, but for six years of my life, I did wander. From 12 to 18, I did not live for the Lord. And there were a lot of things that I regretted. And there were a lot of things I wondered, how could I be a Christian and do that? Maybe I never trusted the Lord, because if I trusted the Lord, how could I think some of the things? I even thought sometimes, like, maybe there's no God. Maybe there is no God. Maybe this is just all a dream or whatever. I thought, now, how could a Christian think those things? And so when I hear a message on the rapture or hell, I struggled. Well, I was traveling as a rep for PCC, and I was in a place called Lebanon, Pennsylvania. And I was at a Christian school, and I did an afternoon service, and then after that, I asked the administrator if I could just have a quiet place just to study the word a little bit before I went to the motel that night. And the library was open. He said I could go to that. And that afternoon, I opened my Bible. And I had a little little commentary, a little weast word commentary on 2 Peter. And I began to read in 2 Peter chapter 1. Young people, I'd like to have you take your Bibles tonight and turn to a passage of Scripture that in all my years as a Christian, I had never heard preached about the passage I'm going to give you tonight. 
I had never heard this verse preached one time. If I would have heard this when I was 13, it would have helped me tremendously. If I could have heard it when I was 18, if I could have heard it one time in college chapel, I think it would have helped me greatly. And I almost made, I don't know, say a vow, it wouldn't be a vow, but I've often said, you know, Lord, wherever I get an opportunity to share this truth to young people, man, I want to be able to do it. I had never seen this before. I'm going to ask you a question before I read this passage I'm going to read tonight. And I want you to respond out loud. But I have a question for you. Can you be a child of God on your way to heaven with the Holy Spirit in you Can you be a child of God and not know it? Can you ever, if you truly got saved, can you ever forget that you were saved? Well, I got to tell you, I didn't think that was possible. There was no way, shape, or form. If you ever got saved, the Spirit of God would bear witness with you that you were a child of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. I'm going to show you how that works tonight. But I will tell you, I never saw the verse that I'm going to show you tonight. Changed my life in my walk with the Lord. Last night we talked about lies. One of the great lies that Satan wants to get you to believe is the lie about your salvation. Now think about this for a minute. If you're here tonight and you truly have never asked Christ to be your Savior, truly you're not saved tonight, the goal of the devil is to get you to believe the lie, hey, you're okay. You're on your way to heaven. You're on your way to heaven. You're, you're, you're okay. Hey, you're as good as any of the other kids in here. Listen, you know who your parents are. You know this. Come on, you've been going to church for all these years. You know you're safe. If you're lost here tonight, the goal of the devil is to get you to think you're saved. If you're here tonight and you are saved, the goal of the devil is to get you to think you're lost. Because let me tell you this. This is so interesting. You really never go anywhere in your Christian life until you finally get it settled on whether or not you're a child of God. You live paralyzed until that happens. I'm in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. I'm 23 years old, and I begin reading 2 Peter chapter 1 at verse number 5. The Bible says, And beside this, giving all diligence... Add to your faith. Now, first of all, it says that beside this, giving all diligence. This is your responsibility. This is what you need to be doing, and you need to be doing it with all diligence. Giving all diligence, add to your, everyone together, what's the next word? Faith. Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Young person... You're never going to get this assurance thing settled until you have a verse to show you that you're saved. To every one of you that claim to be a Christian tonight, if I asked you to give your testimony tonight, would you say, oh, well, I was in Awana, I was seven years old, and I remember what I had on. I remember I had the little pink dress on. I remember I had my blue shirt on. I remember I, had, I, had, I ate two hot dogs that night. And then the guy spoke. I don't remember exactly what. But I remember the young lady that took me in the back and shared with me. And I prayed some prayer. And I remember I felt really good. And that's not a testimony. 
That is a historical event story. That is not a testimony. Young person, you haven't given your testimony until you've given the gospel. Remember that when someone asks to give your testimony, would you stand and give your testimony? Don't give just a historical story. Give how you get saved. And young person, you'll never have victory over this thing of assurance until you can nail it down to a verse. If you came to me and you said, Brother Shelley, you know you're saved? Yes, sir, I do. Yes, ma'am, I do. Well, how do you know that 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 you're saved? I'll tell you how I know. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I did what John 1, 12 said. And young person, I say this with all due respect to the word of God. If I'm not saved, the Bible's not true. Because I did what the Bible said. And young person, that's what you've got to have your faith in. Your faith cannot be in your emotions, your feelings, or anything like that. Your faith has got to be in the Word of God. I don't care if it's John 3.16, and by the way, that's a good one. For God so loved Jim Shetler that he gave his only begotten son, that if Jim Shetler would believe in him, he should not perish but have everlasting life. You know what? If you want to claim John 3.16, go for it. That's a great verse. Have you ever done that verse? The fact of the matter is, I don't care what verse you claim, but you've got to claim a verse of Scripture for your salvation if you're ever going to have assurance. That's what it deals with when it says faith. Add to your faith. Your faith is in the Word of God. So add to the Word of God in your life virtue. Well, I looked up my weeks word study. Virtue. What does that word mean? Virtue. Virtue. Moral excellence. I was a 23-year-old young man. And I was struggling a little bit in my thought life. There were some things I, I, I was struggling. And I was battling with some things. I'm glad I didn't have the opportunities to get into different things back in 19, I think this was 1980, 1979. But you know, I was struggling in some of my thought life. Virtue wasn't present. I wasn't in the Word of God like I had been in college. Faith was struggling. And it said, add to your faith virtue, moral excellence. Well, I didn't have all the moral excellence that I needed. And then it said to virtue, knowledge. Knowledge. Well, knowledge is the word of God and getting in and having your devotions every day. And you know, I noticed I was slipping in my devotions. Not like I was when I was in college. I was kind of mishitting it here and there. And I wasn't gaining the knowledge like I did back in college. Then it said verse number six, and the knowledge... Temperance, self-control. Boy, I had just been in Philadelphia the two days before. And we were in a traffic jam and I got all upset and I was angry and I was riding on an emotional anger. And I said, boy, add to your faith virtue. I'm struggling with virtue. And to virtue knowledge, I'm struggling with knowledge. And to knowledge temperance, I'm not doing too good in the temperance job. And then it said in the temperance patience. I didn't even have to look that up. I knew I didn't have that one. Patience. But I did look it up. And you know what the word meant? It's a compound word. It means steadfast endurance. It means, it's two Greek words, and it means to remain under. It's like a weightlifter who picks up the weights and he's like this. And he's remaining under it, but he's not, he hasn't given up. He doesn't have it up yet. He's remaining under. That's what it means to be patient. Steadfastly enduring. It was used in the classical Greek of the marathon runners. That even at 20 miles, when the laxid acid would used to form in their, in their legs, and they couldn't even lift their legs, they would still run that other six miles. And they would be patient and steadfastly enduring. You know what it means spiritually? 
You make a decision, you stick to the decision. Wow. I didn't have patience. I wasn't steadfastly enduring. I didn't have temperance. I didn't have virtue. I didn't have knowledge. And to patience, godliness, godlikeness. And I thought, you know, I come into a Christian school in the day and I put on my little show face and I do my little thing for PCC and I look so good and I'm a rep, but I didn't really represent God at all. I wasn't godly at all. 23 years old and I'm struggling with every one of these in the list. It says, into godliness, brotherly kindness. (laughs) That's interesting. It means phileo. We get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, where I was just out of. And I thought, you know, there's people I still haven't forgiven that did me something wrong in college. And brotherly kindness was probably not characteristic in my life. And to brotherly kindness, charity, love, caring for other people. Well, young people, I read these verses and I'm going, I'm not doing so good here. And I come to verse 8 and the Bible says, For if these things be in you, they weren't, and abound, they weren't. They make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. Barren nor unfruitful in what? In the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're doing these things, you're going to know God. Look at that. Isn't that great? That you will be, how do you become fruitful in knowing God? You add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, charity. You put these things in your life, and guess what? You're going to know God. That's what it says in verse 8. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But young person, can I just share this with you tonight? I just wish one time in my college life and in my Christian life, someone had read to me verse 9. Because I had never seen this before in my entire life. Verse 9 said... But he that lacketh these things, that was Jim Shetler. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. Would everybody with me read with me the next uh, what, two, four, six, seven words together? Would you all with me together read it out loud and have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins? Wow. Hey, I want you to read that again. I'm going to lead right into it, and then you, you go ahead and read it. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. Everyone together. And is this person saved or lost? Tell me. Saved or lost? This is a saved person. But because they're not doing the list, what's the result? They forgot that they were purged from their old sins. Empress, I never heard that before in my entire life. Nobody ever told me one time that if you don't live right, you won't have an assurance of your salvation. Now, some of you right now may be thinking, Brother Shetler, you're dabbling really close, aren't you, to work salvation? Whoa, boy, if the Catholics ever could find 2 Peter 1.10, they would find what they've been looking for, wouldn't they? Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence. This is your responsibility. To make your calling and election sure. Oh, Brother Shetler, is this talking about work salvation? Let's find out. Father, tonight I pray, Lord, that you'll help these young people understand what the assurance of salvation and their eternal security and the separation of both of them. 
Lord, I pray tonight there'll be young people for the very first time in their life understand sanctification and understand, Lord, that no man shall pluck you out of their hands. And Father, out of, out of your hands, Father, I pray tonight that for every young person here that has struggled with assurance, tonight they would understand biblically what it's all about. And Father, if there's a young person here tonight that does not know Christ as their Savior, has genuinely never received Christ, may tonight be the night of salvation for them. And for every young person here that, that may be struggling with virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity, may they get that taken care of in their life so they can have an assurance of their salvation. Father, may we have a group of young people that make their calling and election sure. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, I'll tell you what, for the next few moments, this sign is not going to represent the red tape. For the next few moments, this sign is going to represent eternal security. Everyone together, for the next few moments, what's this sign going to represent? This sign over here for the next few moments isn't going to represent lame ducks. For the next few moments, this sign is going to represent assurance of salvation. For the next few moments, this sign is going to represent what, young people? This sign is what? This sign is what? Young people, in our Christianity today, we've done something that is so damaging to the child of God. We have combined two doctrines that need to be separated. The Bible says that we need to rightly divide the word of truth in 2 Timothy 2.15. My friend, it is important that we learn how to rightly divide the doctrines of the Bible. If you combine, what is this? If you combine assurance of salvation with what? You are going to be a mess as a Christian. You need to understand that there is a difference between your eternal security and your assurance of salvation. Now, young person, some of you might fall asleep. So if you do, and I hope you don't, but if you do, you must listen to the next two minutes. Because if you miss this, you'll miss everything. You'll say, preacher, Brother Shetler preached heresy tonight. Let me say this right now, the next two minutes. I'm not telling you you can go to sleep after that, but you've got to hear the next two minutes, okay? Your eternal security, your salvation depends on Jesus Christ and his finished work. Whether or not you are a child of God depends on God. Whether or not you know you're a child of God depends on you. Did you hear what I just said? Whether or not you are saved depends on the grace of God and the finished work of Jesus Christ. Whether or not you know that depends upon the way that you live. Young person, salvation is a gift. The assurance of that salvation is a work. We call it sanctification. And when you are in the right sanctification, you will have the blessed joy of knowing and abounding in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
Young person, can I tell you this tonight? Whether or not you go to heaven depends upon your faith in what Christ did for you. The five most important words of the gospel are found in 1 Corinthians 15.3. And they are, Christ died for our sins. Let me tell you the most important word out of that. Oh, Christ, no. Died, no. Uh, uh, Sins, no. The most important word in the most important state of the gospel, Christ died for our sins, is the word for. Jesus Christ did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. He became your substitute. He became your savior. He died on that cross for the penalty that you deserve. My friend, whether or not you're a child of God depends on Christ. But whether or not you have an assurance of that depends upon the way you live. If you're not living right and you don't have this list in your life, you're going to struggle on whether or not you're a child of God. Wow. Let's look first at eternal security. I want to give you four arguments of eternal security because I think it's important. The first one I'm going to call the power argument. The Bible says in John chapter 10 that no man shall pluck you out of his hands. Once you are in the hand of grace, once you are in the grips of God, no man, not even yourself, can pluck you out of that hand. If you have ever trusted Christ as your Savior, my friend, you're eternally secure in him. Years ago, when my oldest son, who's 25 now, was just growing up, when he was just like about 11 months old, and he was just starting to walk. Now, by the way, before I tell this story, how many babies of the family do we have here? You're the baby of the family, all right? Wow, okay, we got a lot of babies. I was too. I was the baby of the family, have three other siblings. They're a lot older than me. I have a brother 15 years older, two sisters nine and seven years older. I, was, I wasn't supposed to happen, you know. I was, my mother was 41 years old. My dad was 46 years old when I was born. I mean, I wasn't supposed to happen at all. So I was the baby of the family. So I didn't know anything about taking care of babies. I was never around babies. So when I had my first baby son, I didn't know what to do. I never changed a diaper. I didn't know what I was doing. But I remember when he was about 11 months old, we went out for a walk. And we went out to the driveway, and I, I put my hand down, and I said, Ben, let's go for a walk. And he grabs down, and when we, I reached my hand down, he grabbed my little pinky. Oh, it's the cutest little thing in the world, you know. I got my little 11-month-old boy, you know, and he's grabbing onto my little pinky, and we're walking along, and I'm going, oh, this is great. I love this. Man, this is all, I'm all about this, you know. And we're walking around, and he stepped on something. I don't know if it was a stick, a stone, a crack in the cement, but he stepped on something. And young people, as soon as he stepped on something, what's the first thing that he did? He started to fall. He let go of my hand. And he fell smack on his face. You see him today, you'd know what happened. No, I'm just seeing. No. But he let go of his He let go. As soon as he started to fall, the first, the thing he shouldn't have done was the very first thing he did. He let go of my finger and fell smack on his face, skinned his nose, skinned his chin, screaming like crazy. I pick him up. He's got a little blood here and a little blood there. And I bring him in. I married the oldest of a family, missionary family. Marilee's the oldest in her family. I'm the baby in my family. So she dealt with babies all along. I I bring Ben in. He's crying like everything. She comes over, grabs him out of my hand. What are you doing? Don't you know anything? Man, you are never going to touch this kid again. You know, I'm like, okay, you know. She, well, about two weeks later, mom's gone. I got Ben. Hey, Ben, want to go out for a walk? Yeah, daddy, yeah, daddy. You know, so we go on out. I reach down, 
and he reaches up and he grabs my little pinky and I said no no and I reached down and I grabbed his little wrist now young people I want to tell you something we got a new ball game now it's not Ben holding on to dad it's dad holding on to Ben now and we start walking on the sidewalk and as we start walking old Ben starts tripping I just pick him up we go a little bit further he starts falling I pick him up you know what we got a good program going now because the difference is, it's not Ben holding on to his father. It's his father holding on to him. And I want to tell you something. On November 8, 1969, at a youth retreat in Kalamazoo, Michigan, a 12-year-old boy who had no idea and no concept of all of these things, all I knew was I was a sinner and I didn't want to go to hell. And the best I knew how, I asked Jesus Christ to save me. And guess what happened? The Father God grabbed a hold of my hand and said, you ain't never getting out of my hand. Young person, I want to tell you, if you have ever asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you are still his child. No matter what you've done and no matter where you've gone, no man shall pluck you out of his hand. Let me give you another argument. Man, I love this, and that's the grace argument. Young person, if you're saved by grace, you've got to be kept by grace. I mean, you can't get saved by grace, and then you've got to live by works in order to be saved. Once a man has been saved by grace, he is kept by that same grace. Young person, nobody's going to get to heaven. And when, they, and when they bring the role in, you know, when they bring out your name, they say, Jim Shetler! The Apostle Paul. Whoa, yeah, man, you're the man. Man, did you write the books? You're the greatest Christian. Apostle Paul comes into heaven. Yeah, yeah, it's me. I'm here for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Let me tell you something. The Apostle Paul's getting to heaven the same way Jim Shetler's getting to heaven. And the only way, young person, that you can be kept is by the grace of God. If you got saved by grace, you get kept by grace. Hey, let me give you the third argument. I call it the family argument. Now, I have three boys. I have one 25 who's preaching in Miami tonight. I have one 22 who's back in Santa Maria, and I have a 16-year-old boy. Well, if my 22-year-old, Luke... Gave me a call tonight. And he said, Mr. Shetler, Luke, is this you? Mr. Shetler, I want to tell you something. Luke, what are you talking about? What do you want to tell him? What are you talking? It's Dad. Mr. Shetler, I'm leaving your family. I don't ever want to be called a Shetler again, and I don't want you looking for me. I'm changing my name. I'm going against everything you ever taught me. I don't ever want to be called a Shetler again. I'm leaving. Don't bother to look for me. I'm changing my name, and you'll never hear from me again. Now, young person, that would be the saddest day of my life. But let me ask you something. You respond. Would he still be my boy? He'd still be my son. Yeah, but he didn't want to be your son, I know. He's not living like your son, I know. But is he still my son? Yeah, he is. Because on March 17th, on St. Patrick's Day, 1986, I was there the day Luke was born. 
Luke is my child because he was born into my family. And young person, if you have ever asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you were born into the family of God. Now, some of you may not be acting like a child of God. Some of you can't tell in the way you play sports. You can't tell by the way the music you listen. You, you can't tell by the things that you talk about. But I want to tell you something. If you were ever a child of God, you still are, man. You were born into the family of God. And if Luke Settler is still my son, then let me tell you something. If you've ever trusted Christ and you've ever been born again, you are still a child of God. Let me give you the last one, and we're done with everlasting life, or eternal security. And that is the everlasting argument. I have a father-in-law that's been working with Jewish missions for 47 years. He lives in Israel right now in a kibbutz. And I love my father-in-law. And one day he came to me, and my father-in-law said to me, he said, uh, I like him. His name's Leland Kratz, Dr. Kratz. And um, he says, Jim, he says, how long is forever? Oh, I mean, this is your father-in-law, you know. So you're thinking like, okay, there's something up here, you know. Um, eternal. It, forever means eternal. So that's good. How long is eternal? Uh, like uh, everlasting. That's good. How long is everlasting? Like forever. You know, it just, kind of, yeah, it just it goes on and on. Then my dad said this. Jim, can everlasting life ever end? Young person, you answer the answer that I gave. Can everlasting life ever end? Think about it. If everlasting life ever ended, then it wouldn't be everlasting. Young person, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, I did not get probationary life. I did not get, hey, you better live right. And if you ever reject me later on, I'm taking that salvation back. Young person, that's not everlasting life. When you get saved, you get everlasting life. Young person, let me ask you something. Have you ever asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior? Because if you did, no man shall pluck you out of his hand. You are saved by the grace of God and will be kept by that grace. You are now a child of God. And young person, if you have ever asked Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know what you got? You got everlasting life. And young person, it can't ever end. Man, we ought to rejoice in our salvation. If you are a child of God here tonight, you will always be a child of God. And God's people said, isn't that a great truth? Oh, that, you know, that changes the whole way we live our Christian life. Once you get eternal security settled, it's not like, I got to do this or I may lose my salvation. I got to do this. No, that's settled. But young person, there is a difference between everlasting life, stay with me, and what? Assurance, Assurance of salvation. Because whether or not you know you have that depends upon the way that you live. Young person, if you're here tonight and these things are not present in your life, you're going to struggle with this. That doesn't mean you're not a child of God. It means your problem, hear me, your problem is not salvation. Your problem is sanctification. you got to get some things taken care of in your life. And until you get those things taken care of in your life, you're never going to have the assurance. Well, the message is done, but I guess it leads to one question. Have you ever received Christ as your Savior? Now, take your Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Look what it says in 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5, verse 11. And this is the record, that's the word of God, 
1 John 5.11, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his what? Everyone together. Son. Way to go. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Now, young person, hear me well. When Satan starts playing with our minds, you got to know he, he's so good. I'm going to say something right now that I know that you could say. I'm going to say things like this the rest of my life. But if you want to be technically accurate, and you have to be when Satan's starting to put those doubts in, let me tell you this. The number one question is not whether you're going to heaven or hell. Don't go down that road, because if you go down that road, you're going to, man, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or hell. I don't know if I'm going to heaven or hell. That is not the question. The question is not whether you're saved or lost. Oh, I don't know if I'm saved or lost. That's not the question. According to these three verses, what's the question? He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. What's the question? Do you have the Son? The real question is, have you ever received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Hey, I have no problems calling that saved. I have no problems calling that going to heaven. I'm just telling you this. The real question is not whether or not you're going to heaven or hell. The real question is not whether you're saved or lost. The real question is, do you have the Son? Because if you have the Son, you are going to heaven. If you, are, if you have the Son, you are saved. Brother Schmidt, would you come down here real quick? I want to do something real quick. All of you stay with me for just a minute. We're going to call this Bible for the next couple minutes. We're going to call this Bible Jesus. Okay? What's this Bible? Jesus. We're going to call this little piece of paper right here. We're going to call this your ticket to heaven. Okay, what's this? What's this? Come on up here, Brother Schmidt. I'm going to take my... And I'm going to put it inside of... Now look at this young people. It doesn't get any more simple than this. Okay, the Bible says, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. Brother Schmidt, receive... What is this? What's this? Okay, receive Jesus. Brother Schmidt, just receive Jesus. Because he just received Jesus, everyone together, what else does he have? He's got his ticket to heaven. Notice what the Bible says. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. Young person, thank you, Brother Schmidt. Young person, this is really simple tonight. It really is. The question is, have you ever received Jesus as your Savior? There's three answers. Yeah, Brother Shuttler, I know I have. What you talked about tonight, I do understand. You know, I don't know all the words. I don't know everything. I don't remember everything. But Brother Shetler. I know I've received Christ as my Savior. Then, your problem is no longer salvation. Your problem now is sanctification. If you're struggling with an assurance of your salvation, it's because you've got sin in your life. Deal with the sin and you'll get the assurance. Okay? That's answer number one. Yeah, I know I have. Answer number two is no. I've never done this. I'm, I'm, I'm a phony. I'm a, I have never asked Christ to be my Savior. You know, I could preach as good as anyone in here, Brother Shetler. I know as much as anyone here. But the fact of the matter is, I have never asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. 
Young person, can I just tell you this? I, you just have no concept of what hell is going to be like if because of embarrassment or pride, you'd say, man, I, I, you just don't know. I know that I've never done what you said, but I just can't do it at this camp right now. There is no way that I could. Young person, if your answer is no, if you've ever received Christ, I encourage you, trust Christ tonight. Ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior. We will rejoice. It may start a revival amongst all of us. The young person, if you're not here and you've never trusted Christ, get that, say, get that settled tonight. Now, the third question is, man, Brother Scheller, I know you meant well. I know you preached your heart out. I got to tell you, Brother Scheller, you preached the whole thing, but I still don't know. I mean, it's not yes or no. It's I don't know. You know what? I can totally respect that. I can. If that is your case tonight, I would trust Christ as your Savior. If you're here tonight and the answer is, I don't know, after this message, I would, re- I would ask Christ to be your Savior. I would get that thing. You know what? I think maybe I did it when I was seven. I don't know. You know what? I don't know. If you can say, no. No, I tell you what, I never heard that before. But there's been times I forgot that I was purged from my old sins. And I know what it is. It's sin in my life. I know that's what it was. And I need to get that sin taken care of. But if you say honestly, man, I don't know. I just don't know. Tonight ought to be the night you get it taken care of. Then tonight you ought to just settle that once and for all. And say, you know what? I'm going to ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. Young person, do you have the Son? Have you ever asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior? Yeah. Then get your life taken care of and you'll get an assurance of your salvation. No, I never have. Then ask Christ tonight as your Savior. I don't know. Then get it settled tonight. Thank you for listening to this Student Ministry 127 podcast. For more sermon resources, visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit wcbc.edu.